All right, this is another episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name's Alon. And my name's Ara. I say another because it's like, it's amazing that we're getting another one in the can. It's been a very long time. And of course, I'll apologize to all of our listeners. Um, well, the few that might still remain at this point. Ara, what have you been doing for the last like three months? Do you really want to know? Uh, yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's interesting. Is it not interesting at all? Mm, let's see. I've been um, uh, breaking up with and then coming back together and then breaking up with girlfriends again. Okay, that that's, sounds like fun. That's been um, – it's, it's not really that fun actually. That's no, kind of horrible, but that's all right. Yeah. I didn't, so I didn't know that, about this. Um, <laughs> I've been destroying my water main, which we won't talk about. And um, you know what? It's been pretty much the same old other than those kinds of exciting things for me. Are you still teaching? Oh, oh, oh no! Let's not be silly now. So, like, you—I mean, you—you you finished the semester and all. Yes, and then I actually—I don't even recall if we had a conversation about this the last show, but I'm pretty sure I will um, never teach again. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I could have sworn that I mentioned to you that it was difficult. <laughs> before it started yeah well um, you know it wasn't and and i gotta say i gotta qualify this with like under the same circumstances that it was this time it wasn't that it was difficult to teach it was that it was um actually tremendously unrewarding okay let's just let's (laughs) i will just leave it at uh because of um logistics and bureaucracy and um all you people who are listening who might be a freshman or might have recently been a freshman in college. All you guys that don't give a shit. I forgot yeah. we decided not to cuss, but um, no, it's all right. Yeah. It's all right. All you guys. <laughs> uh, you, you're the guys that make teaching not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, the class you were teaching, I figured was elective enough that it would only be people who were truly interested in the content. That's, no, that's not no, what happened. You misunderstood. It was a freshman level, uh, first like first level like game making one hundred and one class. Which means people took it because they thought it would be really easy, or which means that like if you have any kind, uh, if you're in like it's a required class for certain like programs. In other words, okay, you know. Wait, wait, wait. Game design is required. I mean, I guess depending on the thing they're going after. Yeah. Okay. Well, they have – there's like a game design certificate. There's like certain programs you can do and I think in certain majors. Um, I don't know. I'm just making this stuff up. But um, yeah, it was not the kind of class where it's an elective so everybody who's there actually wants to be there. Wow. Well, I'm sorry that's how it turned out for you. I took video game classes well, like a video game class – in college, and it was certainly elective, and uh, I mean, it helped me get where I, it wasn't like considered an elective, like bowling. Right, it was considered for something else, like I got three credits or whatever. But certainly, it was not required. Could have taken any number of other classes. Um, so that's a bummer. Was there anyone, like any kids there, who you thought like if the class was just these kids? Oh, well, yeah, this would be great. I mean, there was about a third of my class that cared and uh, it was fun to teach to them because they actually were listening to me. 
Um, so is that how you went about it? Did you say like, I'm just going to teach to these guys and the other ones can, you know, screw it. Like they'll just, if they want to pay attention, they can. Well, no, I didn't them. have to because that was their attitude already. All those other people. Okay. I mean, it's not like you decide only to lecture to half the class. You lecture to the whole class, but you know, half of them are uh, not there or they're like, you know, I don't know, too busy, like copying, uh, you know, their classmates homework or. You know, doing I don't know what games play they're playing on the computer. You know. Okay. Gotcha. Well, um, I had a good time in my class. In fact, for whatever reason, I was just thinking about it yesterday while playing a game. Yeah, it's a um, lot easier for the students than it is for the teachers. <laughs> I feel like the teacher I had, his name was Ed. Um, I feel like he he made it fun for him too by just doing whatever he wanted. He actually kind of said, he explained, like, I feel an obligation to just, like, to to make a class that I could, like, hang out in with my friends and just do fun stuff. And, like, uh, hide it under the school's nose that it's not, like, a real class. Although I actually, I learned quite a bit in that class. So I was, or maybe I didn't learn it quite a bit and I just felt like I was part of something with people who were like me. So it made me feel good. That might have been what was really happening. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm tired of talking about this, so I don't have anything more to add. Okay. Well, certainly if we have people listening who would want to go take a video games class, I would suggest you not be one of the douchebags and be one of the cool people that the professor wants to talk to. So, um, all right. Well, for me, for the last three months, um, what have I been doing? So I hang out with my family a little bit. That's, that's a thing that I do because I've got one of those now. Um, played very little Titanfall, very little of much else. Um, I recently became disappointed that I never went after creating a Twitch show. We were just talking about this before the show, actually. Like last night, I was uh, I was a, like looking around the Xbox dashboard on the Xbox One. And of course, I find myself watching Twitch streams now just through the xbox right because it's there so anytime i want to look at what games are available right the first thing you can do is watch a live game just being played of it which is really useful to understand the game and i was like wow people are streaming and making money off of this and i've had a show for 11 years and we could totally have made a good twitch and still could by the way but like i i don't think i'm in the mental space to do it now because i need to like make money with a real job and and it's hard to be willing to build up to that by doing a Twitch stream. So I don't think I'm going to pursue that. But I feel disappointed that I didn't earlier in life. And uh, and yeah, other than that, I'm totally going to switch careers soon and probably go into like coding development and stuff, which I haven't been doing. So that's what I've been focusing my last like two months on is a lot of studying and stuff like that, which is why we haven't been doing the show. <clears throat> I thought it was just because we both became lazy and or busy. Uh, well, busy with that sort of thing, right? So, like, yeah. basically every night for the last two months. Did, are you aware of these, like, coding boot camp things? Have you heard of these? Um, I guess. I mean, I don't really pay a lot of attention to them, but I know so they exist. They're totally, like, unaccredited. They're not, for the most part, like, legitimate real schools. But they're people who, who are basically like, uh, I know coding, and there's a lot of people who are hiring coders, and so you can just, like, come hang out at this thing that I call a school for like three months. And when you're done, you'll get a job that's, you know, 
going to pay you reasonably well. And um, I didn't want to ever be a coder. My whole family does does that sort of thing. So I tried to stay away from it and uh, steer my life towards something else. <clears throat> but as I pointed out, I have a family now and I don't think that I have developed enough of like a marketable skill um, in my previous career. So I was like, I'm going to, I'll go do one of these things. So for like the last two months every day, like I'm studying Ruby and working on exercises and all that stuff and applying to this program that is, um, I guess, not totally easy to get into. Um, and I'm at the final stages of that. And then right as I'm about to submit the very final thing I have to submit, I find out about another program that's closer to home, like not in San Francisco, closer to home. And uh, now I'm probably going to pursue that. So anyway, same thing, but I'll be like, not doing anything with anyone or talking about anything except this stuff for like six months straight as I work on that stuff. Um, That's pretty hardcore. I'm impressed because I've been spending my whole life trying to escape programming. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Now I'm going towards it. Oh, and my wife totally became a lawyer on Friday. Did I mention that? Uh, No, you didn't, but I know. Yeah. So she's, uh, you know, worked towards it and passed the bar like forever ago, but never actually like submitted the whole, Hey, I want to be a lawyer thing. So she did that like eight months ago and it takes them for friggin' ever to say, okay, you could be a lawyer now. And so she is like as of two days ago. So congratulations to her. Anyway, um, 10 minutes into the show, I am ready to start actually talking about some game stuff. So I have a couple of things. You showed me a couple of things before, before we started that I want to get into, but there's one, um, one thing that I didn't know anything about really until I saw something on Reddit just last week. And then it also popped up in my stream, uh, today, uh, something very similar. Are, are you familiar with what's going on with Peter Molyneux and the goddess game and all that? Ooh, you know, no, but this sounds like it has something to do with, I think that at some point recently there was like, um, I don't know, like it sounded like Tim Schafer was publicly defending Peter Molyneux from some kind of crazy, you know, fan attack or something that was happening on the Internet. That's a piece of it that I did not. Did I get close? Is that is that involved? I don't know anything about the Tim Schafer's involvement, so I won't speak to that. But I would be surprised if that were the case, (laughs) because it what's happening is pretty indefensible, um, in my opinion. So uh, first of all. You may remember that Peter Molyneux used to make really big games, right? Or at least talk about making big games, whether or not he came through with it. Well, he's Certainly, a big salesperson, that's for sure. Yeah. At, at very least, he made what would be considered or was involved with the development of what would be considered AAA games, right? Yeah. Um, I, I hate then, that word, but yeah. I know. I know. I know. So, I mean, look, I mean, he's a, he's a marquee name. I mean, he's been involved and in, he's originated a bunch of like, you know, really historical titles. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, you say a bunch. And the only one I really know about is Populous. Other than that, like he talked a big game and he made Fable, but it didn't turn out to be what he wanted it to be. And he probably did some other stuff between Populous and Fable. But what was it? Like, was there anything? What? Well, I'm sure there were, but those were the big ones. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a, there was a long time between those two. Um, anyway, after he left the Fable people, right? And they can Microsoft bought him and keeps making Fable stuff. Um he decided to make his own company and start making mobile stuff. I don't know if you recall this. Um, the first thing they did was this basically like a test on mobile 
called Curiosity. I know we've talked about it before, but I don't know if you yeah, heard about it. that one. So it was, it may have just been iOS. I don't know if it was anything else, but um, it wasn't really a game. It was just, uh, there was a giant cube. And when you like pecked at it a lot, little tiny cubes came off of it. It was called Curiosity. And the whole thing was, it was Peter Molyneux creating this big mystery and, and, you know, just trying to talk it up his ass again. Like there's a really big prize at the end, bigger than any prize the person who gets the last cube, it's going to be so huge. You couldn't imagine it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, classic Molyneux stuff. And so the person who won, I guess his name is Brian Henderson. If I'm remembering it correctly. Okay. Good thing it wasn't Brian Molyneux. That would be weird. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, the prize is that the next game they're going to make like their real game called goddess um g-o-d-u-s so that game is the game they're working on well at the time they said this is the game we're really working on and brian is going to have godlike ability in this game in that he can actually affect the normal players in the game so it's like he's almost part of the development team and also he'll get something like one percent of the profits towards that game Uh, and also that game was one of at least at the time one of the most successful Kickstarter campaigns. That's um, pretty amazing. Yeah, it was, they ended up with, I think they asked for something in the 400,000 pound range and they ended up with over 500,000 pounds. I don't know what that equals in dollars at the time, but probably something like 800 grand. Um, so it's a pretty big prize, right? Like he gets money when people actually get the game and he can have some level of control over this game. And apparently, uh, like everything Peter Molyneux is involved with, um, goddess has fallen apart the development is way behind where it's supposed to be um, someone left the company and the communication with this brian henderson guy fell apart um, the game itself like they flat out admitted like we're not going to be delivering the things that we said we were going to be delivering some people who backed us on kickstarter are not going to get the rewards that they were promised Ooh, that's um, rough. i'm now working on a different game <laughs> like Malin who's like now i'm working on something else so well, that's uh, terrible. What a disappointment. Right? Like, kick, Kickstarter is uh, this ecosystem of disappointment <laughs> uh, for a lot of video games and non-video game projects, but especially video game projects. However, there are certain ones that are really big and have, like, strong people behind them. Like, you might say, I've been involved in the video game industry for years and years and years and has produced real games. When he makes a claim, even though he's known for overstating things when he makes a claim we think he'll actually come through with it especially because he's trying to return to the roots of what made him really famous making this goddess game like another god game and he was involved we we talked before about how it was populous and then fable he did make black and white in the middle which was pretty well received so um anyway uh, i would have expected this is one of the few kickstarters if, if i was interested in paying for it like i wouldn't have hesitated because of concern about the risk that it would actually come through. I would have been confident that it would actually happen. And I mean, maybe it will happen to some extent. And I think there's even some early stuff people can play. I, I haven't followed all the details, but basically it's, it's not happening the way that it was described to be happening. And it's just like another feather in the Molyneux cap of destruction, but it's <laughs> aggravating to me as someone who cares about other people that they would be, just screwed by this guy and especially this one dude who has promised something so big and amazing and would have really been interesting and he's totally getting the shaft um 
Well, wait a minute. How? Why are you like all like attributing this personally to Peter Molyneux? Uh, because he's the CEO of the company and can decide what he wants to do with all that stuff. Like he's responsible. Yeah, for everything but I mean, he could have. He could have also been trying his best. I mean, um, trying your best we, wouldn't. I don't know what happened. I'm just saying, like you know. Companies fail all the time when people try their best, you know? Yeah, I feel like if that were the case, um, he wouldn't move on to something else before the first thing was completed. Like, when you take other people's money, like taking a um, a publisher's money in order to put something, like there's an understandable, we, we all know how the industry works and what that means. Like they could be behind schedule. They might not meet milestones. It might not turn out the way they planned, right? But it's, an agreement between you and a single other company for the most part um, where you understand the risks involved. And that company also has a certain amount of control over what's happening in order for taking on that risk. In this case, Peter Molyneux for years and years and years had made promises to people, but with no accountability to them because they hadn't given him money yet. In this case, he made grandiose promises as usual, but also took their money and we all understand Kickstarter, the way it works. You're, you're never obligated, blah, 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 blah. He has an ethical obligation, um, without a doubt, at least in my mind. And to abandon it to the point of just going to work on something else and then saying, yeah, you're not going to get the stuff we promised is the douchiest of douchetastic moves that, like, if I don't really care. Well, for his I games. mean, maybe on the face of it, but, you know, when I hear about stuff like this, I just think about how, like, it's just pretty convincing that I will... Never try to do a Kickstarter thing again because – or again, I'm talking like I've done it once. Uh, I'll, I never even want to try it because it's just – to me, this just sounds like it could very easily like not be really like somebody actually screwing people. I mean I don't know. I just I don't, just don't think we know enough about it and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you do know enough about it that he was doing it. I, do, I, I don't know. for a second think that he was malicious when he set out. No, I'm not saying it was like malicious, right? But there's like Kickstarter is such a mess. Uh, I, it's not Kickstarter per se. It's, I mean, they could have done this on their own with their own infrastructure, not Kickstarter. It would have been the same result. Um, no, I'm not saying it's Kickstarter's fault. I'm just saying that like it's just it's so it's always it always seems to be such a mess whenever something is involved with Kickstarter. Um, so lots of people get on Kickstarter and try to do big projects, right? Um, and People don't have the experience of, I mean, most people don't have the experience of someone who's professionally been doing the thing that they're on Kickstarter for, for years and years. Like one of the early ones that I read about was some guy who was making like lock picks, like really, really cool lock picks. And he was an experienced lock, but he was an experienced enthusiast lock picker. And so he's like, I want to make the best lock picks ever. And then people give him a bunch of money and he was way behind schedule. And I don't know if he ever even ended up making them and sending them to people. But like yeah. he was just a dude, just a dude with an idea. But this guy, Molyneux, has years of experience in the industry. He knows what it takes to make a game. He knows what it takes to make a studio. He had a studio. Um, he understands what it means to manage people, um, whether or not he does a good job of it. He understands what he's getting into. And for that reason, I would hold him up to a much higher standard, significantly higher standard, um, especially because the reason that he was successful in his Kickstarter is because of the fame he he got from all of those things, from being professional. Um, and it, it's funny because we already knew that he lied all the time or 
didn't fulfill his promises, if you want to put it that way. But in this case, like if I were the kind of person to care about the games that he made, and I've never really cared about his games, just they're not my style. But if I were, like I would be writing him off forever and never believing a damn thing he ever, which is already the case for me. But I'm saying even if I was a fanboy, I'd be like, I'm done with you. And it's, I mean, I'm smiling because it's so absurd, but I feel bad for all the people who got caught in this and like, we're like, oh, cool, new game that's going to follow in Populous's footsteps. I remember that game from when I was like three um, and they're getting totally screwed by it. I, I use the phrase totally screwed because there was an expectation that was completely dashed. Um, yeah. Anyway, if you hadn't heard about that, I thought that was a good story. All right. Yeah. All right. So this other thing that that you brought to my attention, I did not know about this, but I kind of I I feel like I seeded it by talking about Twitch earlier. Yeah, there was a story uh, a couple weeks ago about how Sledgehammer Games is um, banning. We talked about various banning of online users many times in the past. So there's apparently some kind of exploit in the Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Newest Call of Duty. And, yep. Yeah. And uh, let's see. Apparently it involves basically um, – you did a good job of explaining this when we were talking about this before the show. Like you just do badly on purpose so that you get matched with um, worse people and then you start trying – and this – by performing this exploit, you can – I guess you can actually uh, increase whatever your progress is uh, a lot faster than if you just played normal. Yeah. So they're calling it reverse boosting, which is – so I have very little experience with games uh, made by these people or – well, the only experience I have is Titanfall, which is not actually made by Sledgehammer. I, I think it's made by the other people who made Call of Duty games. Uh, but I can't even follow that anymore. So um, I do know that you progress in the game – you know, to get higher levels. Uh, and I've thought to myself, like, what if I actually wanted to do well? I could, you know, do poorly in the rankings and play against people who aren't as good. Um, I I haven't played Advanced Warfare, but I guess when you do that, like, if you do poorly and then do well, you progress more quickly than if you just did well. Um, yeah, so... That seems dumb. This, Well, this is funny to me because... Um, Obviously, there's an exploit in the rules of the system that players are exploiting. But instead of them trying to figure out uh, how can we actually fix this so that it doesn't happen, or instead of them actually having the foresight to predict that this is uh, behavior that people would engage in, because it's which uh, can certainly be predicted in a case like this because, you know, if you're designing a system of rules, you know, sometimes people will use rules in unexpected ways. But if you're uh, familiar with a lot of common psychology and things that people do, then I don't think that it would be at all unreasonable to expect uh, this kind of exploiting exploitation to happen considering like what the rules are, right? So instead of them changing the rules, they decide to ban people who don't follow the rules. And 
I'm sure we've had a conversation where I've actually um, represented a completely opposite point of view from the one I am now. But when I'm reading this, I'm kind of like, this is just being very lazy. Oh, yeah. Because this kind of exploitation too, as as far as I understand it anyway, right? It doesn't really seem like it's actually directly hurting other people anyway. And why would you design a system – like I would – if it was my – if I was working on this project, you know, if it was my job, uh, I would have taken care to make sure to think through like what what is the dynamic like if you start doing badly and then doing much better and if, is there an exploit there and is there something about, you know, the design of the system that you can change to basically make that problem go away. I just think it's funny that they've decided to just take the ban approach instead of uh, the other approach. Although, I mean, considering, you know, this is like, uh, uh, you know, maybe, um, maybe they, there might be some technical reasons why they can't, you know, actually address the problem officially right away. But at the same time, it's like, this exploit doesn't seem to be all that, you know, exploitative to me. Yeah. As far as it being like something you're not allowed to do. Without having you know? played the game, it's hard to speak so much to it. I, I do have some thoughts. Um, I want to go to break and then I'm going to basically agree with you for the most part uh, when we come back. So let's do that. You guys get to hear Mario again and we'll be right back. You're back, and we're back. Once again, it's Chatterbox Video Game Radio. All right, so I said I would come back after the break. I'm going to point out, by the way, that when I said that I'd sort of uh, led us into this topic when I mentioned Twitch earlier, this, this was the wrong topic. We're supposed to go into the other one. But that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, okay, so... You're totally right. It is. Right. Uh, so for Advanced Warfare, um, I don't know why... I'm having a hard time figuring out why they would have developed a system that would allow you to boost more quickly. Um, well, it was unintentional, I bet. I bet it was completely unintentional. Well, I mean, let's think about it. Like, when you get a kill, well, I I guess if the math, if the math is this, like, if you get 50 kills as opposed to 25 kills, you're going to go up faster. And when you commit suicide, which is how people go down in the ranks in the first place, maybe suicide doesn't hurt you as much as like not getting a kill you know what i'm saying like suicide uh lowers you at a lower rate than killing someone uh an opposing team member ex uh pushes you up in the rankings yeah they they were thinking of doing something but what they didn't think of is um 
right? Like a situation where basically they were assuming that players would always try the best they possibly could all the time. Yeah. If What's make- weird though is that also like you can hurt yourself enough that you actually go down and play people significantly worse so that you can do so much better in that match. Um, yeah. The, yeah the you know, you know what? Is- actually, I mean there's – there are a lot of competitive uh, ranking and grading systems that actually factor stuff like this into them. So it's it just really just seems kind of irresponsible that they haven't figured that out. Yeah, I feel like it would be really easy to solve programmatically. And what you said about how it's silly that they're not trying to fix the problem but instead just telling people they're going to ban them is ridiculous. I think you should never be banned for doing something that the game allows you to do like without some strange manipulation of hardware, like people who mess with their modems in order to mess with the game, I'd say, okay, yeah, ban them because the programmer could have no control over what you do with your modem. Although they they yeah. could sort of work around it through some programming ways, like what you do with your hardware. All right. That's out of the game. I'm not going to allow it. Right. Um, but this, that's just, you have a bad algorithm in your game. You developed the ranking system poorly. So yeah, although I mean, I guess it's a matter of degrees too, right? I mean, if you're if you're just like committing suicide like twenty times in a row, um, okay, it's pretty safe to say you're performing an exploit, you know? Well, yeah, but <clears throat> but the solution, as you pointed out, is not to ban them. Yeah, because you're you're still. Yeah. You still have the incentive there. What you need to do is remove the incentive. That's right. Programming it's a, the game it's a design issue. Uh, the funny thing is, is that we're actually seeing uh, stuff like this play out in completely different contexts uh, in the world right now. What are you referring to? I am referring to something called NASCAR. Something really funny happened in NASCAR uh, the previous weekend. So you're going to have to enlighten me because I have no idea what's going on in NASCAR yeah. right now. So, so things like. Um, Things like NASCAR and sports in general are interesting to me because what a sport is, especially uh, like a sport in the category of NASCAR, is like the rules of the sport, you know, it's actually tantamount to a game design, you know, and all the NASCAR drivers are the and the teams are the ones who are playing the game. And so what they do is, you know, you uh, – Set up your rules in order to kind of uh, steer the behaviors and the outcomes that you desire as a designer. I mean that happens when you design a video game and this is what NASCAR does, essentially the same thing when they decide, you know, what are the rules for playing NASCAR. And the really funny thing that happens and this happens not just in NASCAR but in all the other kinds of uh, other sports too is that – all the people who are playing, they're basically – I mean they're all independent agents that they're always trying to do the best they can under the constraints they've been given. So when you have a system of rules that has uh, weird constraints, um, then you're going to get some really, really weird things that are happening. So what happened in NASCAR, for example, was they have this rule about qualifying ostensibly to make it more exciting for people to watch. Where they're like, okay, you know what? You get this much time for qualifying and uh, teams, you can decide like when to go out whenever you want. 
something to that effect. What, what do you mean go out? Like you go want? out to make your qualifying lap. Okay. Like, you mean like put your car on the racetrack? Yes. Like decide to go out on the track and okay. do the qualifying. Even if someone else is on the track at the time? That's Yeah, you do qualifying when everyone's on the track. You're just out at different points and you can go out whenever you want. And the thing okay. about NASCAR that's unique is that because of all of the drafting mechanics, basically the best time to go out is at the very, very last second. Or at least as close to that as you want to push it because you get the best lap times near the end where everyone's in front of you. You can do the most amount of drafting, et cetera, et cetera. And the problem is that uh, what ends up happening is that all the teams who can do this, they invariably all choose to go out at the very last second. And so it's kind of like a, it's a weird game of chicken. And the thing that makes it bad is – which is what we've seen in – I think it was um, – it might have been the Daytona 500 – is that everyone goes out at the same time and there's utter chaos and there's a huge risk for a lot of uh, collisions to happen and that's exactly Wait, so, what so like they have a window of time? They say you guys can go out like up to this point in time? It's like you have like five minutes to qualify. You can go out on track anytime you want. Within that window of time? Yeah. What okay. during when qualifying is happening? Okay, I misunderstood. I, I was thinking it was like it happens all day, and it's just relative to other people. So you went last minute. I was thinking you meant like last in the pack, but you just mean they all wait till the very end of this window. Well, you have a limited amount of time to do qualifying, and then at, within that limited time, everyone wants to go at the end. Okay, you know, and so this is the rules. You know, and one of the guys, you know, it was actually it was a, a beautiful rant on the TV, you know, after, right after he got out of this car. He was like, yeah, all this crazy stuff happens and people end up hitting each other and it's not their fault. He was like, it's NASCAR's fault. And he's right. Because they're setting up the rules. The rules are what's actually creating this situation. Yeah, because they develop rules that have unintended incentives. Yeah. So I yeah. think it's funny because, you know, if, if you're one of the people – I don't know how they make up these rules. I guess it's by committee or whatever. But it's tantamount to being like a game designer in a much more real and high-stakes game. Yeah. You know, I just read uh, the other day that I guess um, like Major League Baseball is going to change the rules in order to speed up the pace of the game. So this is not changing incentives. But – yeah. Uh, I have no idea what rule changes they're making because I only read the headline of this because I don't care about baseball at all. But I guess they're changing how it all works uh, in order to speed up the pace, which is, I guess is also something that football has done. Uh, and by that, I mean had a willingness to change the rules um, just basically since the inception of American football. Yeah. Uh, but other sports have been more resistant, right? So... All right. So um, that's interesting. And I'm ready to move on to the other topic that was actually related to to Twitch. Um, you had sent this over to me and it's something that I did not realize was an issue. Uh, well, I, I knew it was an issue, but I didn't realize that Microsoft was, was talking about this. Um, it makes total sense, though. So I guess there's there's been confusion over the last however many months or at least a year, I guess, 
um, within the context of YouTube, that is, about people doing, you know, what are called Let's Play videos. Yep, yep. Um, where basically you just play a game and people watch you do that. But then it's like, well, you're making money off of someone else's copyright. So then companies are, uh, you know, shutting down YouTubers or creating new rules. I think Nintendo was being especially stupid about how they uh, allowed or didn't allow people to do things. But now Microsoft and Sony have actually built Twitch into their consoles. So it makes total sense that Microsoft would lean back and say, we're going to let you do this, at least for the games that we make. Because, I mean, it just makes sense. If we're encouraging Twitch, then we're going to encourage you to use Twitch. Um, And so I guess they came out with a statement about it. And then they had to make another statement clarifying the original statement. That's basically like, no, seriously, guys, you you could do whatever you want as long as you're not super confusing. Um, and what's interesting to me isn't what makes it confusing, like how you title your video or whatever, just that Twitch is becoming this big thing and that they have to sort of, that they've been forced into creating this environment that, you know, is welcoming. Mm-hmm. I say forced, it's the wrong word. I mean, they, they volunteered yeah, to they create this to environment. This. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but the fact that it would even require some sort of public statement on their end is a little bit weird to me, but I guess also like it, I understand it. Um, one thing I can tell you that I find weird is that when you go into Twitch on X- Xbox one, which is really the only place I've ever experienced with it. Um, you have access to like all Twitch streams, which I say it's weird. Like on one hand it is because I expect to just see people playing games that I could get on the Xbox one, except I'm watching people like, play these strange games that are made for the PC and doing like speed runs through them. And they're games that are like totally not actually allowed because it's mixing characters from like Nintendo and Sega and this and that and do it like, they're not legit games. They're just these little indie games that people have decided to play on Twitch. Right. Um, and games that I have never have heard of, um, and people systems that people run on PCs that like, actually keep track of world records for speed runs and like have a clock running when you start a game. And I, I am not in that part of the, the video game world, so I don't understand it. I don't know what things people have developed in order to follow this, uh, this world, but I guess there's stuff like that happening because it shows up on Twitch for me, uh, when I go hang out in the Twitch channel on the Xbox one. Um, <clears throat> so that was unexpected for me to see that. Have you gone in there at all and, and played with Twitch? Oh no! Now let me tell you about it. An- no, I don't have I don't have those fancy new consoles, but I want to go back to this thing for a little bit. Okay. Um, because this is really good. Like what what Microsoft has clarified, uh, in case it's not obvious, is that it's like yeah, if you make a video of you playing a game, then uh, you could actually monetize that. Yeah, for its games, because not just games on the Xbox One, but uh, specifically Microsoft brand games. Right. Yeah. And this is very, very good because I I think what must happen is that it, it must be a, a game performance that's recorded, uh, something that's performed by a player. I consider totally a creative work of that player. And I think it's really important that that becomes recognized by our judicial system as being a creative copyright protected work, even though it involves you completely utilizing and doing this performance on something else that was copyrighted by something somebody else, right? 
to me, it's like saying that, you know, because the Gibson guitar is copyrighted, everything you produce with the Gibson guitar is Gibson's property, which is insanity. And it's been kind of like legally uh, not so clear lately. So I'm really hoping that this move uh, will clarify uh, just basically where our whole culture is at with this sort of question. You know, that's a really interesting analogy that you just made. I never considered that because I was like, I don't know. I totally see that a company should have the right to shut you down if – I mean I think it would be stupid to do it in terms right. of marketing. You want people to do this and get your name out and show that people enjoy your game. But if they decided that's what they wanted to not have you put those videos up, I would think, yeah, it's totally their right because it's their copyright and whatever. But Yeah. I, well, I, I'll yeah. challenge anybody to uh, show how the Gibson analogy is not completely watertight. I mean I, I see it. You're right because uh, – just like the developer of that game, or you, you couldn't make your performance without that developer's title, they couldn't make this performance without you at the controller. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's interesting. And it's also super important to me personally because I do these you know online race performance videos that I publish on YouTube, and I would really like to monetize them. Yeah, are you un, uh, unable to right now? Well, I haven't done it yet uh, for fear. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure I'll probably go under the radar because I'm not really getting enough hits for it to matter. Um, but, you know, in case it ever does, you know, this is really good yeah, news. You want that freedom. So I'm going to tell you about what I feel is a pretty unrelated Twitch experience, but one that was really, it was fascinating to me, right? Because it sort of hit me that I could do this thing and then I did it and it worked, right? So let me describe to you what happened. Um, for a long time, I've been aware of this game called Fibbage. Uh, so you know the games, you don't know Jack, right? That series of games. Yep. Um, so it's made by whatever company makes it, it I, called Jackbox or something. I don't, I don't remember what the name of their company is. Um, but uh, Fibbage now, like you can get it by itself. Or you can get it in this package of like five or six different games that are all made by that company, including like You Don't Know Jack 2015. And one of the big draws to this is that all the games allow at least eight players. I think eight players. It'd be weird to have You Don't Know Jack with eight players. But um, anyway, it has a large number of players. And the way that you play the games is through um, a smartphone. You don't use a controller. So it allows you to actually type um, and draw, stuff like that. So... Uh, and the the way that they actually accomplish this is that, I mean, it, it, as far as I know, all of the games will require an internet connection because when you start the game, it tells you there's a room code. And so you just use your phone, use the web browser on your phone or really any device that has a web browser. So you could use a computer as well. Um, and you type in like a four digit alpha code on, you know, on that website, like jackbox.tv or something. And then boom, like you're controlling that game. And since it's all going through some master server or whatever, it appears on your, your console because you're connected to that server and everybody's phones connected to that server. So I saw this, I saw one of the games in that package. I think it's the game was called Drawful, which I don't need to explain how the game works, but you draw stuff and then you pick options right and it's funny so i saw this being t live streamed on twitch and i thought to myself wait a minute if you connect to the game 
simply through a room code on your phone and this game is being live streamed then theoretically i don't need to own the game or be in the room with these other people who are actually running the game to play the game and that's what i did right the game lasts however long it lasts and then like you know they start over with a new set of questions and scoring and all that and so the room was open there was enough room for people to join so i just used my phone i typed in the four digit code and then i appeared right there on the the live stream of the game uh, i have no idea who was running the game i don't know who owned the game um but i was just playing it through the live stream there was an an obvious delay uh but the the way the game functioned um that delay was not um so severe that it prevented you from playing you just had to be a little quicker than you would be in real life i think um so so it's better than sonic 4 in other words (laughs) well like you don't know jack would probably be unplayable because that game in order to be successful like it's it's down to the microsecond right the longer you take to answer the question the lower score you get and you only have like 10 seconds or something to answer i feel like there might have been a 10 to 15 second lag on this but everything you did was in like 30 seconds to a minute time frame so what i saw and plus what happened on my phone was faster than what was happening on the screen so like i could see okay it's time to draw so i would start drawing something and what happens with the other players in the context of the actual like timed game segment is less important than say in the you don't know jack game so this is a game that accommodated this live streaming and my guess is that the people who were streaming it live understood this this was what their intention was to live stream and let anybody play but when i decided to do it it struck me as completely novel and like i was getting one over on somebody like i was doing this thing and oh my god this is crazy but the more i i played i was like i think i stumbled onto something that other people already knew about and even so it was just fascinating to me and there was someone else in the room with me like we had a someone hanging out at the house that day and so we were both playing at the same time each of course on our own smartphone with this live stream of somebody's we have no idea who uh, and that experience to me was just, I don't know the right word for it. It was just really interesting, um, to, to do that. And so, Hey, if you want to go play one of these Jackbox games, uh, you totally can just find somebody live streaming it. Yeah. I think they did that, uh, with, um, one of the Pokemon games a while back. Uh, are you talking about when they crowdsourced people making the moves in yeah yeah isn't that the same sort of thing um sort of but they had to build a whole infrastructure for that like where you would log in and then submit a move and then you would go into a queue and so like i think when you submitted it you didn't even know where the character was you would just say i want him to move right (laughs) and do something but i honestly i didn't know maybe you just go into a queue and when it's your turn you you make a move i i did not follow it um but this is a little different where they're just using the infrastructure given to them with the Xbox one for all I know. You know what impresses me the most about this? What? At least for that Pokemon thing, I am always astonished at how much work and effort people will put in, uh, for stuff like that. I, like, for things that when I look at them, I'm like, there's just clearly, like, nothing of really any special interest here other than, you know, you're just – you're putting a huge amount of work to – I mean, I guess it's a cool novelty. Yeah, so to me, there's three know? possible 
explanations for that. Either, really, it comes down to two. Um, either it was an art project, right? Someone wanted to do this thing to see what would happen. It's like a psychology slash art thing. Or two, they are using it as a test for something bigger or just different. And so whatever, they use Pokemon as the demo. And they could have used something else, right? Um, I, I really... I doubt that it was someone just being like, we really want to put Pokemon out there and, uh, and just let people have fun with it. Cause this would be hilarious. And then I also wonder, does it break, does it break copyright rules where you're letting a bunch of people play a game that they don't own streaming over the internet? Oh, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> right. Cause Holy technically they were playing it and they're not buying it. Uh, so that's, that's interesting by itself. Yeah. Yeah, let's just ignore that wrinkle. All right. Um, now, what do we want to do with today's show? We, we haven't done a show in so long. Do we want to go longer than usual, or are we going to bring it to an end about uh, now? I don't know, because I don't really like – I mean, like, what else? Those are my topics. I don't – what's happened that's cool to talk about? Uh, I mean, these are the things that have been going on with me lately. <laughs> um, I think this is then where I'm, I'm going to uh, to make it real and start talking to people about our plans for the future. Um, yeah. So, uh, clearly I am not prepared to do this show frequently anymore. Um, for many of the reasons I mentioned earlier, including the fact that I'm going to go into this intensive programming thing and be totally unavailable for a long period of time. Um, and I have a kid and you're off working in various places. Uh, so I think this time it took us what, like three months to get to the show two and a half months am i right about that it feels like you know we're kind of a following an exponential curve yeah i had i so predicted that natural, last time actually yeah so the natural um natural time to do the show after this i think should be uh if we were going along with the proper curve is probably in about 17 years <laughs> i was just gonna say late 2015 but um <laughs> i think it's clear that we need we need to call it and say that episode 551 this very episode is going to be our last episode and there's a part of me that feels bad about that but at the same time i think anyone who's listened for a long time and and heard the way that we've been handling the show in the last year knows that um i am now an adult and i'm more of an adult i mean and i have not been putting my heart into into this as much as i should in order to to actually speak intelligently. I can't count the number of times that my friend has like listened to the show the next day and sent me a text. He's like, dude, you're totally wrong about that thing. Like talking about what company made the, made this game or how they handled it. I've been totally wrong on so many accounts. And so ultimately I feel like I'm no longer an authority on at least the types of things that we bring up on the show. I think that I, like I was saying, I wanted to start a Twitch channel. We could totally start a Twitch channel and criticize games and talk about the development side and what's interesting and not interesting, what makes it good or bad. But when it comes to like gaming news and following the industry, we have proven, at least I have proven, and I think, I really think as both of us, no offense, sir, um, I think that we have not been as prepared as, as we should be, as we owe it to the audience. So um, for that reason and many others, I am going to call it an end. And I'm very, very thankful to everyone who's listened to the show, especially those who've been around since the beginning, because it's like 11 years now. Um, our listeners have been awesome. And Ara, you have been awesome for taking on the helm after so many people failed before you. Um, 
so I thank you very, very much. <laughs> yeah, because your tenure has been much, much longer than mine. You know, you say that, but when you look at the overall timeline of the show, I mean, you joined in what, 2006? I guess so. Yeah. So I've only been doing it since 2004. Um, so you've been in here like eight and a half-ish years of the 11. So really you've been... Yeah, that's kind of crazy to think about, actually. It's ridiculous. On that note, I'm going to give a heartfelt uh, thank you to you personally. Um, when we first met, you introduced me to a lot of things. You, you've you've not been shy about talking about uh, you know psychology and the game and all that stuff that um, we do in our personal lives, right? Um, I would not be the man I am and be married to the woman I am if it weren't for you introducing me to that stuff and me being you know smart about it and pursuing pursuing that in my life so like you changed my life uh oh that's so sweet i'm not yeah i'm not even kidding i'm not trying to be funny here like no i know you're if not. i had not met you my life would be complete and you can look back and anyone can look back in their life and be like if i didn't do this thing my life would be different if i didn't do this thing but like you had a huge and um very positive effect on my life through through the introduction of various things and so i thank you for that very much i know that since we don't do the show we won't be doing the show anymore. You and I won't talk nearly as much. So I want to leave you with that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that's super kind of you to say, man. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and you know what? It was, uh, this was a huge thing for me too, because, uh, I don't even know if anyone can go back to the old episodes, but this was a huge, this was a huge thing in my life because I actually used chatterbox to train myself to come out of, um, you know, a terrible, terrible, extremely shy shell that I had uh, many years ago. Really? See, I didn't know that. Well, I mean, I was a little, maybe I was like a quarter of the way already out of it when we met, you know, but you can remember how badly I sucked at the beginning. Not even a little bit. I can't remember at all, but my memory is, okay. is. Well, oh. I remember <laughs> and and I sucked really bad. Okay. And it was it was really only actually through like doing I don't remember what number episode I was on when I started because I know we're on five fifty one now and that's a nice number and I haven't done five fifty one but you know some public speaking was something that's like really important to me in my life and it was only because of you know just constantly doing the show every week in and out that. I picked up the good habits of not saying um every three seconds and, you know, I don't want to be the judge of myself, but you can be the judge of whether, you know, I'm an entertaining person to listen to or not. Because I definitely wasn't at the beginning. And, um, you know, those that talk that I did at GDC, which was like a huge personal goal of mine, like I don't think I would have had the wherewithal to go through and, you know, even attempt those things if I didn't have this experience to back that up with. So yeah, this, this show has definitely it's huge for me. Too. It's, it's been big for both of us. So, um, I don't quite want to end yet. I want to ask it, ask you a question here. Um, I was trying to think to okay. myself, like, well, I want to say something too, after you ask we, me, so go all ahead. Right, well, we've got all the time in the world right now. So looking back, is there something in, in the history of the show that you specifically wish you had done or had said or um, handled differently or something that in closing you'd want to say to to the listeners? Well, I wish I hadn't sucked so bad. I really don't remember you sucking. I think you've always been uh, – I mean people who listen to the show listen to it because they want to hear 
an interesting point of view that they don't get from a bunch of other shows, which especially near the beginning, like very early on in podcasting and at the beginning, I don't even know if I was podcasting it when you started or if I started after, after you started, but, um, there's a lot of crap. Yeah, it was after. Was it? It was way after. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of crap out there and we were, I mean, the only thing at the beginning and, uh, the people who have taken the time and energy to contact us, which is relatively few, by the way, um, have said that they like the show because it is different than the other ones. Um, someone even tagged us on Facebook the other day. Someone just said, it was a conversation that we, we were not able to participate in because it wasn't on our page. But like someone somewhere in the world of Facebook asked their friends, like, what are your favorite video game podcasts? Or maybe it was just your favorite podcasts. And the person responded, you know, tagging us that uh, Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Um, it was like one of yeah. two that he mentioned. I saw that. That, you... was, that was a really nice compliment. Yeah, I wish I, I had that person's name in front of me. But um, maybe I can find it while we're talking. That was kind of cool. And the few people who have rated us on iTunes, many people said we were horrible, but some people said we were good. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, over time, I've even met people like at E3 or other shows um, that have said they were inspired by, by the show that we put together. And that has been just really, really incredible. And there are some people looking back too, who've had a bit big impact. I try to think of the names that I remember in the past, right? Um, Pen 15 has been uh, at least a long, long time ago was a, a piece of the show, I'd say. And I've become friends with Joe. I think you and I both talked to Joe a little bit. Yep. What else? Um, some guy whose name on the internet includes the word bacon, who I think might've been part of the PAX show that I did at some point. Um, Kevin Bacon, not Kevin Bacon, but Bacon, somebody, Mr. Bacon. I don't remember. It's like I said, my memory is horrible. Uh, thank him for being on. Thank Penny Arcade in general, by the way, just for being awesome and putting us in front of people at the beginning. Um, even do you remember that guy we had on the show who was making an app uh, and like doing a Kickstarter for it? His name was Dave. Yeah. Right. With remember, the flies yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I'm pretty sure guy. he still has not made the game because he would have contacted me to say that Oof. he finished the game. And so I'm going to give you a little poke the finger and tell you that you didn't meet people's Kickstarter expectations, even though half of those people were probably like your family and friends. Uh, you know, douchey move. You should totally finish it. So, but I understand being a father now. I get it. Um, anyway, I thank all of the people who have been uh, listening and been a part of the show and contacted us and participated in the events at Penny Arcade and emailed us and Facebooked. And I'm not going to close down the Facebook page or anything. I'm going to keep the website up. And one day if I, you know, actually get the urge, I might actually put the old episodes up or make them available um, somehow, at least as far back as I'm able to find. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that, you know what? I, I even appreciate, um, the various times now and then when you know I've I've gotten attacked by people through through messages and through email through by some of the listeners. So um, if you guys are still around listening to this, uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess this is an extended uh, boring goodbye. I'm sorry if this is not yeah, entertaining but there's, people. There's one more thing. There's a, there's one more thing I want to say. Um, you know, because I remember, I think Joe mentioned something about doing a podcast at some point. Yeah, um, he started one recently with uh, someone. Yeah, else. you know what? Um, I don't think I have the time to actually continue doing a podcast myself. But 
I really like doing these things. So if any one of you guys who's listening now is doing a podcast or does a podcast and, you know, if you want me to be on as a guest or whatever, um, yeah, I would be more than yeah, happy. That's to. actually a good point. I would love to do this for somebody else once in a while. They want me to be in the show. Uh, although I think you are better equipped to actually talk about games um, and game design. I would still be happy to, to be on someone's show as well. Um, and then I would probably pitch that video game art stuff that I've been doing. <laughs> but like, go buy the stuff, guys. Um, yeah. Yeah, you should totally take Ara up on that because he, he does know what he's talking about. And it's so much easier when you're doing it for somebody else. Uh, by the way, the guy who mentioned us as one of his favorite podcasts was uh, named Brandon in response to someone named Christopher Kirkland. Um, wherever this conversation came from, I was happy that someone thought of us. And sad that we are going to stop doing the show now. And I wonder if in the future I'll just be like, you know what? I really want to say this thing. So I'm going to get the mic out and make episode 552 and see if anybody actually gets it. Like, don't cancel your subscription. Maybe I'll do another thing in the future. Um, all right. Well, with that, I am totally ready to call it, call it quits and close the show. I'm 36 as of two days ago. I'm ready to hang up my hat as a podcaster. Um, all right. Anything left, Ara? Anything you want to say? No. Thank you, sir. Thank you, everyone listening. Thank you for all the support. Okay. Well, then. Good night, everybody. And um, uh, that, is, that is it. This is super anticlimactic, but I think that's a good way to go out. And uh, That's right. And we won't, won't see you again. We won't really be talking to you again. But you should totally communicate with us on the Facebook page and invite us to be on your shows because that's where I think we would be even more entertaining. Good night, everybody. Good night, guys and girls. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.